Happy Monday, Robert. Happy my happy birthday for me. Today's your birthday? Today is my birthday. I didn't know that. 30, 33? 33. You're 33? Catch, catching up, feels, man. Feels great. Does it? It feels strikingly similar to 32. Well, let's introduce... So, hello. It is Monday. This is episode five of the Brushback Podcast. I'm here with uh, birthday boy Bobby Stevens. Bobby, happy birthday, officially. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so let me give you the test that I give a lot of the kids that I work with, which is, are you an ice cream cake person or a real cake person? Ooh, I, real cake, real cake. I knew you were going to say that because you and I are just becoming enemies more and more. Real cake is <laughs> ice cream just, cake is unrealistic. Answer. It's the wrong answer. Ice cream cake's unrealistic. It's unrealistic. You get ice cream with real cake. First of all, it's not unrealistic. It's a thing that exists in the real world it it, it exists always has at least it's in my uh, life no 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 it's no, always it been was around it, since, it was i mean i was eating ice cream cake as my official birthday cake since i was a kid <laughs> and regular cake is like eating a sponge like if i took so if i went to my pantry right now and i got a box of just granulated sugar and then i took out my mildew smelling uh sink sponge and i sprinkled Oof. powdered sugar on it that you'd have regular birthday cake sounds delicious i know i know uh <laughs> but i anyway i give this test to kids i mean it's just like me breaking the icing like getting to know people in my gym and i had like this food this food this food questionnaire slash quiz that basically just like lets me know if they're a sane human being and uh, what other and, what other this or that do you have on that list Oh, there's well, it, it can expand. It's like a, usually a minimum of four questions up to like 10, depending on my memory of my own uh, questionnaire. But basically ice cream cake <laughs> or real cake, um, your preferred pizza topping, uh, Sausage. If, you eat bo- if you eat boxed pizza or boxed macaroni and cheese, is it the classic like tubes shaped, uh, the shapes like SpongeBob or Dora the Explorer or shells? It's SpongeBob, absolutely. Okay, that's a good answer. Thank you. Um, your favorite breakfast cereal, like sugary, like thing you'd eat as a kid on Saturday morning. What's oh your- man, Captain Crunch. Okay, fair answer. Um, your feelings towards cottage cheese, love it or hate it? I uh, hate it. Yeah, there's usually very little in between. No one's like, oh, I'm kind of like friends with cottage cheese. No, you either like despise it because just texturally, and it's just like a gross it's looking food water it's it's, it's lumpy it's, it's tough to lumpy love. water it's hard it's, to love it's brutal i personally like it but then follow-up question to that one is if you do like cottage cheese do you like it on fruit which i think is ridiculous or you have like to put it on, it on fruit you have to put That's fruit in ridiculous. the in in the cottage cheese Whoever you have to decided put it making that it just makes the texture worse i don't think they go together i eat it on either toast which makes a lot of sense or All right, on fair enough triscuits which there's some pretty good flavored Triscuits. Or last night I had some ones on Wheat Thins. Um, that makes much more sense. It's a cheese. Cheese goes well with like savory stuff. Why would we? It's a, lu- it's a lumpy water. It's it's lumpy water. It's disgusting. I I mean, I that's it's disgusting. completely valid opinion. So that's fine. Um, but those are the core ones. I mean, beyond that, well, there's others like, uh, how do you feel about cilantro? Uh, it's like it's just it's it's in the teeth it's messy i don't need it 
But do, are you one of the people that believes it tastes like soap or real? Or like it just has because I it it's, tastes like soap to me. It's it tastes gross. It's always tasted gross to me. Nah, I just I don't want it. I don't want it. Keep your okay. Keep your leafy greens. You're kind of neutral to cilantro. Okay. It's just like an offensive taste to me in general. That's and I think it's that way for a lot of people. That's interesting. I've never heard of cilantro being offensive. Really, a lot of people they say it's like a genetic thing where some people it tastes like soap to them. Um, you have sense that you have a sensitive palate. I guess. But uh, so that that pretty much rounds off my questionnaire, and then if I can think of any others in the moment. But the official correct answers are uh, ice, cr- ice <laughs> cream cake because it's opinion, but it's not really opinion. Like if you answer real cake, the tubes, macaroni and cheese uh, that you like cottage cheese on fruit, um, then I like kind of just don't trust you. Oh, and, and your cereal. If your cereal is like regular Cheerios, like a raisin bran. Well, I eat raisin bran. I like it, but if that's your cereal as a kid, then it's a little questionable. The kid who's really trying to keep himself regular. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's <laughs> the intent is like. 100%. Your, the, the intent is your uh, grape nuts or something. The intent is <laughs> your It's 100% bran flakes. Yeah, but the official correct answer for cereal is Cinnamon Toast Crunch, which is just objectively the best cereal that's ever been created. <laughs> you have some very specific tastes. I mean, acceptable in the realm is Captain Crunch, Cocoa Puffs. Lucky Charm. Any of those are acceptable answers. Where I Actually, Crunch Berries is is yeah, the acceptable good. Captain Crunch. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, also, Golden Grams was one of my favorites. Very underrated, I think. A little under the radar. Too, too big. Golden too big. Golden Grams? Yeah. Golden Grams size. are like, they're like, it's like oh, one. You get one on a spoon. <laughs> That's not true. Their main flaw is that they turn soggy. Like, literally upon hitting the milk. They're like a, pack, a packing peanut. Like, they dissolve in milk, pretty much. All right, so when you eat all right, so when you eat cereal, do you consistently add milk? So it's not just one big swimming pool of milk? You know what I'm saying? Adding milk, it'd be more of a swimming pool. No, that- but you go, like, you go, like, a full bowl of cereal and a half bowl of milk, so you can kind of keep some of them crunchy. Oh, I understand. Um, I'm a minimalist with milk i try to get the very the bare minimum amount to like get it done but i put it all, all right the, i put it all in the beginning i don't add milk later all right so you one shot one shot you either guess right or you, you ruined the morning well the real travesty is for some people who put the milk in first which is just a baffling but decision. that is absurd it, it makes no sense no sense at all but some people like putting that. the ice in seconds when you pour a drink yeah it like it, yeah it's ridiculous um so anyway so what are we talking about today here bob i mean we need to this is a good transition into uh my my brother-in-law so my brother-in-law yesterday texted me we talked about or i talked about um i still let me, let me rephrase that i stumped for joe mauer's hall of fame status on the last episode uh, and so unbeknowingly to me i have now attached myself at the hip with the uh joe mauer hall of fame train okay. um so he had been texting me back and forth and tells me to, he would take Yachty or Molina all day over Joe Maurer. Yachty's the, you know, the better the catcher, the, the more Hall of Fame worthy catcher. So I threw it out on Twitter and I was a poor, poor poll wording on my end. But yeah, it was intentional. Your question not, made no sense. It was just like, but intentionally, hey, hey, essentially it works out. Intentionally vague because I, I no. genuinely want to know. I want to know, like, who's who do you got? You have, do you have Joe Maurer or do you have Yadier Molina? And 
looking them up this morning. So let me give you some let me give you some stats before you answer yeah, here. I won't tell you who's who, but both were rookies in 2004 at the age of 21. Okay. All right. Uh, Yadier Molina has played 1983 games. Joe Maurer 1858. So okay. roughly 70 game difference. Um, at bats, they're 40 at bats apart. Uh, played appearances, Maurer has 300 more. 7,900 to 7,600. Career batting average, Yadi 282, Maurer 306. Career yeah. hits, Yadi uh, 1,963, Maurer 2,123. It's about okay. 160 more. Runs, Yadi 701, Maurer 1,018. Home runs, Yadi 156, Maurer 143. Runs batted in, 916 for Yadi, Maurer 923. Doubles, Yachty, 379, Maurer, 428. Triples, Yachty. All right, we're, we're, yeah. all right hey. we're wrap this up. No, no, no. no triples no, no. is the most irrelevant stat in baseball. Triples all right, all right, here, here. opportunistic doubles. I got my last I got my last one. Walks, Yachty, 507, Maurer, 936. Wow, it's a lot more walks. It's a lot more. And then <laughs> strikeouts, but Yachty, strikeouts, 782 to Maurer's 1,034. Um, Interesting. So OPS for Yachty, 738, Maurer, 827. It's mm, a big difference there. Cause the so yeah. I, am, uh, I am still stumping for the uh, better career, better catcher uh, guy I want on my team for the length of his career. Because they both only played for one team. Um, with, you know, this, this correlation worked out a lot better than I than it did just on a whim talking to my brother-in-law. Uh, but I'm taking I'm – taking, Joe Maurer. Why? I just, he's a staple in my lineup. I've never, I've never looked at Yachty as a, as an offensive threat, even though he's had good offensive years. So it sounds like everything you're about to say is completely without like any real evidence or reason. Just you're going with just you. you I think, no, no, I've got, I've got stats pulled up. I think peak. Steer steer me in the evidence based direction here. Give me some actual reasons. Peak, peak Joe Maurer. For me, peak Joe Maurer, 2006 okay. to 2010. So in 2006, he had 347, 07, 293, 328, 365. He won the MVP in 2009 and 327. For that, for those years, he's his OPS is in the eights, nines, and then he has 1,031. He's just, I think his peak prime of his career i mean he is a middle of the lineup gold glove catcher okay. uh mvp caliber batting title every year he's he's in the running for the batting title like you just don't get that out of the catching position i mean he is the i mean if you've got to take a a hitting catcher he's the guy you take i don't think yadi's ever been that guy he's always been the defensive guy correct and I, i'm not going to knock him for being the the defensive player but you get lineup, you know, there's a lot of good defensive catchers. I think are there? Lineup. I think there are. I think there's I think there's very capable defensive backups. Usually your backup catcher is a defensive guy. So I think you you know, catcher's a premium position. If you get offensive output out of that position, it's that's that's value. That's that's extreme value, I think, in the big leagues. And Maurer is like I said, peak Maurer which I think he hit his peak before Yachty. So I'll go over, I'll go to Yachty's stats. And I think 
he kind of, he starts to peak a little bit. Um, you know, he starts, he makes his first all-star game in 2009. So a little bit after Maurer, uh, and he's obviously still pretty relevant You're now. Here. So which one are you picking? I got Joe Maurer. I just yeah, want to give Maurer. both sides. I want to give both sides with Yachty. Okay. So Maurer's your better hitting guy. Now, when you factor in the fact that he hit 365, 320, like way above his career average, did he just have bigger peaks and, and bigger valleys? I mean, was, it sounds like he definitely he fell off. off quicker. He definitely, once he hit the, uh, like that 2014 season, he goes from 324 to 277. Like he definitely fell, he broke down quick. And then he wasn't uh, even a catcher his last how many years? Um, he wasn't really catching his lat. That's like that's basically when he stopped catching his 20, 2014. He did okay. not catch. He did not catch after after twenty thirteen. And when did he retire? Twenty eighteen. Okay, so how many of his uh, career his uh, seasons did he catch? What's the what's the number? Uh, one, four. Yeah, count it out. Count it out. Really uh, take your ten. time. 10 years. He, so, he's 10 year. He's a 10 year starting catcher out of 15 total or so out of 15 one. years. Yeah. He's a, he's an all-star. He's a three time gold Glover. He's a five time silver slugger, six time all-star. Okay. I mean, uh, I don't have a horse in this race. I don't particularly, you, care, you have, you need a horse in this race. I'm, if you're, gonna be, think, if you're gonna be in the discussion, I think Yadier Molina deserves credit for being an excellent defensive catcher, which I think provides more value to your team than than does being a, a mediocre average catcher and a better. We're player. talking Gold Glover, Gold Glove catcher Joe Maurer. Yeah, but Gold Glove doesn't mean anything. Gold Glove is a very irrelevant, highly politicized uh, um, award. I mean, is it though? It is, yeah. I mean, you start to look back at some of the numbers of guys who've gotten gold gloves compared to other players in the league, and you start to scratch your head. There's a lot of arguments that it's like, why does why does this guy get a gold glove? It's not clearly based on a lot of the uh, the metrics. I think this was discussed in Keith Law's book, but I don't want to um, smart baseball. But I'm I can't remember where that long discussion was. But there's not a good reason for a lot of the gold gloves that were doled out. So I don't think that's a good measure, especially now with the advanced analytics. I don't think it's a good measure of who was actually an exceptional fielder. I don't think you're going to have any bad fielders on those gold glove lists, but it was really sort of just like a, a little more of a popularity contest than people were led to believe. So, all right. So I'll, I'll piggyback off that a little bit, you know, catchers. I'm just going off of his uh, caught stealing percentage here. Like, Yachty won the gold glove in 2011. He only caught 29% of the runners stealing. I would say that's, that's well below average. Now he definitely has years in here where he's like, he's wait, over you, 50%. Wait, do, you, do, you, do you know that's well below average or are you just guessing? I am making an educated you're, you're, guess just based on his numbers. Okay. Based so on his, based on it. his numbers, based Got on his it. numbers. So you're guessing. Um, 29% yeah, is definitely not below average for the big leagues. Um, let me pull that number up, but Yadier Molina's stats are skewed because he gets way less chances than other people. Do you know why? Because they don't run on him. Is and that a, is that a respect thing? <clears throat> Do you run is on that, the catchers that you know are going to throw you out? Well, I'm uh, saying is uh, that a re, is that a res, is that a respect for him, or is, do, does he always has he always had uh, pitchers that are quick to the plate? 
Like, is that a, is that a no. Cardinals philosophy? I don't know. No, it's, it's, it's knowing his reputation. I mean, the more runners you start throwing out from the outfield, the fewer people will take that extra chance where it's iffy. And it's the same thing with him. This is, this is a known, like, he had a, a significantly lower percentage of uh, attempts against him because just of his reputation of being a high-caught-stealing percentage guy. Now, with these as many different pitchers as he catches, I mean, obviously, it's still just a, ro- a rotation of his one team, but um, he's going to be the constant variable in all that. There's always going to be some pitchers that are hold better than, than others, but people are if it's iffy they're not going to take the chance as much against him as some other catchers i mean that's a that's a well-known so if you look at his um if you look at his chances per year it's significantly lower than other catchers well i'm looking at him right now it's i'm just going to take 2007 mauer throughout 53 percent. this is his best year he had 45 attempts against him and 2007 for yachty he threw out 54 percent and had 50 attempts so pr- basically even Wait, who threw right. out fifty four percent in what year? Yachty in two thousand seven. Yeah, Yachty or Molina is the career leader in caught stealing percentage, forty forty percent, which is which is absurd. Where'd you get that twenty one percent, twenty nine percent number? Um, I'm looking on Baseball Reference. Yeah, I'm too. Um, he, for the, for an, for two thousand eleven, I'm saying that's this is just one year. Yeah, which is insane considering then if his career caught stealing percentage is forty percent, he had like a fifty percent year to make up for that one, which is insane. Yeah, he's had he's had a couple. He's had a sixty four percent year, his second year in the league. He's had he's had high years. There's no doubt. He's a he's a good defensive catcher. Well, I'm just I'm weighing more on his offensive prowess uh, being less than Mau. Like Mauer makes up. I don't think the disparance, the discrepancy between their defensive talents is bigger than their discrepancy in their offensive talents. I think Mauer outshines him more offensively than Yadi outshines him. Uh, Mauer defensively, but you don't really have any good way of quantifying these differences. I have my expert opinion of okay, Joe Mauer. Just, just, I don't know why I'm stumping for Joe Mauer because I'm a I grew up a White Sox fan and I'm not very much a a Twins fan, but I can respect Joe Mauer. I mean, of course you respect Joe Mauer. I mean, he was a fantastic. I mean, Hall of Fame worthy. Great, player. great sideburns, great chops. I mean. Hall of Fame sideburns for sure, but no doubt. I don't know. I mean, I think you probably need to revisit this conversation in like a month and come back with some facts. When I'm still locked in my in my home, digging deep on Joe Mauer. Yeah, for stats. sure. For sure. I mean, I just it's hard to compare the two things. And when you start looking at things like defensive runs saved and some of the metrics that um, the Pirates employed when they were sort of ahead of the curve with as far as uh, catchers catchers yeah back in like 2000 it was like 12 13 and this is based on that book uh did you read it called big data baseball i did not so uh yeah i mean they talk at length about how many runs they and and essentially games they won because of their catcher framing stuff which they were sort of the forefront of that so when you start to when that that shed a lot of light on the value of of framing for catchers and when you start looking at that, it's really hard to say, like, they were making up a lot of runs and, and wins and value to their team from catching. So when you start to look at it for, through that lens, you're like, is the difference between 280 and 30, you know, 309 or whatever, uh, lifetime, making up the difference between all those runs that Yachty probably saved, not only from his, his defensive, his pitch framing, and, and I don't know exactly how good of a framer Yachty was, but 
um, also his uh, caught stealing percentage, and then the amount of runners he deterred from going, which was reflected in just how good of a thrower he was. So I don't know. I, yeah. I don't think uh, I don't I don't think the offensive numbers back that up where he's going to be better overall than than Yachty as far as like runs value added to his team. Give me the MVP. Okay. Okay. Um, so what else we got here, coach? Uh, well, here's, here's some, we were talking a little bit off air, uh, before we got on, you know, giving, giving, this is something you probably have more, um, experience with, but giving somebody hope, uh, relative to their situation in baseball or where they fall in baseball. Um, you know, I'm going to read an email that was sent to you just so you can give a little bit of a, how you responded. No, I'm gonna. But, uh, read, I'm gonna. I'm gonna read oh, my, come I'm gonna on! I want to interview. Interviewing you. All right, you read it. I mean, well, I'm not. I'm only gonna read little excerpts because. All yeah. Right. So this is, I think, an important thing. So, I'm reached out to by a lot of people who are recovering from arm injuries or surgery or uh, maybe they're trying to make a comeback in baseball because I sort of did all those things myself, right? So I'm, I guess, in some respects, seen as a approachable person who has done that stuff. And so people will bounce ideas off me and probably once or twice a year, I'll get an email from someone who says, Hey, you know, I was a high school player and I, I'm like four years removed from baseball, but I really got the itch and I want to come back. Do you think I should do it? Do you think I can do it? Here's how hard I throw or here's my situation. Um, and in most situations, I actually uh, tell these people no, that they should not. And this is a weird thing. And so I got one recently. Um, and this was a different situation. So there's two different ones that I'm going to fill you in here today. Because, again, I feel weird about this because I was the guy who always like kept going. And I always believed in myself. That was the number one thing that sort of made my career what it was, which I think I got a lot more out of myself than I should have, was that I always just believed in myself. And so then it's weird for me to say, like, well, I don't believe in you to another person or that you shouldn't have that same belief in yourself but here's the thing i mean have have you heard um much of uh the the podcast is called uh it's by mike Rowe. it's called uh the way i heard it oh yeah five minute five minutes i listen to all of them <laughs> yeah it's like in like four minutes is a zip recruiter commercial it's awesome <laughs> but yeah mike's an awesome guy but he talks about um he he gave this speech somewhere maybe it was like a, a college um what a commencement speech or something, but he was talking about not following your dreams, rather following opportunity. He thinks the following your dreams is a crock. Have you heard that? Have you heard him kind of give that talk? Uh, I've heard, I've heard the promise. Yeah. So he's talked about this in other podcasts where, he, where he's been interviewed and he's like, look, not everyone can like, just cause you love golf doesn't mean you can make a living at, at golf. Just cause you love X doesn't mean you can make a living at it. Your passion can be different than, uh, what makes you money and keeps you financially stable and builds a good life for you and your family. And he says, you know, economic stability and all this other stuff is, is for most people is going to live independent of their passions. And he referenced a guy who, who owns a septic tank company. He's like, clearly that's not his passion. He said, but he saw this guy start, saw an opportunity in his town that this service was needed and he could do it better. And he had a passion for business and for customer service and for all the things that made his septic company really take off and he built a great life for himself. And now he can 
He can play golf. He can do all the other things that he's passionate about because he has the time and the, and the financial resources and, you know, success. It gives you time and money to hunt for things that you really love. Right. And I think that's a, a really important message that not all of us. And, you know, I'm a baseball guy. You're a baseball guy. We can't all make our living in baseball necessarily. You know, when we retire, if you don't make it to the major leagues and, and all that. So um, following sort of that thing. You know, so I got a question recently, and this is a guy from, uh, it looks, I think he's from another, no, he's from the U.S., but he says, hey, I have a question. I live in a place where there isn't any baseball team, but I look at my stats in pitching miles per hour, walks per K, looking the results of at-bats with no hitter, and in hitting projected distance, and they are really good. Uh, I'm a right-handed pitcher, switch hitter. Do you think that with no high school references, I can play college baseball? So before I tell you what I told him, what would you tell this person? So this this sounds like, to sort of sum this up, because the email was a little bit wonky in its wording. Um, he's like, it really loves baseball. He's practicing. He can go the field, take BP, hit a ball pretty far, throw a ball pretty hard. But he doesn't have a team. And uh, he, so he's not getting like in-game reps, right? So he's get, definitely going to lack a lot of the baseball IQ stuff that right. is really important and vital. So what would you tell this person? For sure. He could play college baseball. What level? Well, I don't know. I don't know. No idea. I mean, he's got, there's got to be more context than that. Right. But he could play college baseball. There's, there's plenty of schools that I, I'd like to know where he's from, but yeah, without know. knowing, yeah, without knowing if he's living in Siberia, um, you know, I think he could pro he could play college baseball. Now if he's a state has a pretty good program. I've heard it's, yeah, it's a state. Yeah. Northern heavy uh, uniforms they're made of uh ox skin so it's they're not as fast as they'd like to be but they got to hit the right. ball far just jog that's their thing um, he uh he could i don't think there's i don't think there's a reason he couldn't play college baseball except if his talent dictates that he can't or if he's got no tools and maybe he's throwing 50 miles an hour and he's an 18 year old kid yeah you're not you're not playing college baseball buddy but there's yeah the whole the I think the dream of college baseball is is much more realistic than if this kid was just emailing you out of the blue saying, hey, I want to play professional baseball, like send me the blueprint. Yeah, which that's the next email I'll get to. But yeah, so I, I told him, I said, look, a Division One school or like a four-year school is almost certainly a no. But uh, right. a junior college, you could probably get a chance. You know, if you if you can throw hard enough, and I told him probably, you know, mid-80s or whatever, because he's going to have to outrun his, his deficiencies. If a coach knows this kid doesn't have the, the baseball IQ that you get from just playing, I mean, there, you can have a very severe lack of situational awareness. And you see this with younger players. You know, if you get like an in-house player and he suddenly gets pulled up to a really competitive travel team or a kid that maybe played, uh, didn't really play high competitive travel ball and now he's suddenly on varsity baseball, you know they can get out there and be really wide-eyed really quick. Yeah. When these when the game is just it's really fast, you know, college and going from no high school baseball to college baseball, which is a much faster game, even if it's a low level junior college or low level D3, it's still a much faster game. So you can really get stuck out there like, oh, I can throw a ball hard, but like, uh, I don't know where to go when this ball is hit to me kind of stuff. And that happens really fast. But yeah, I agree. He could he could find a place somewhere if he has the physical tools, but uh, he's going to have to outrun his his sort of uh, mental or situational deficiencies. Mental is probably not the right word. But so this other email was really, uh, it was insane. So I got this guy who emailed me, uh, this was like three years ago. And he said, hey, I was like a, a pretty good high school pitcher. I threw like 88 or something. I went to 
I think he went to like Georgia Tech or somewhere, somewhere actually legitimate, um, but didn't end up playing there, had some like personal issues and didn't play at all during college. Now he's 25. So also, also like another four years removed and says, I really believe in myself. I think I can do this. I want to come back and jump into any ball and, uh, you know, I'm going to train to do this. And do you think I should do this? And I told him, no, I said, look, um, no team's going to sign you. Almost no team is going to sign you. If you throw a hundred miles per hour, someone will sign you. If you throw 95 miles per hour, no one's going to sign you. And I said, here's why, because in independent, in, in, in independent ball, you have to get outs right away. They need to put fans in the stands. You get a two week trial essentially when you get a contract. And if you don't play really well, they get rid of you and they get someone else because they have tons and tons of players to choose from. And I said, an affiliated ball, um, they have a lot of guys that throw 92, 93, 94, 95. Why would they want a guy who has literally no baseball experience above high school unless you can do something that no one else in the whole world can do? You know, again, like this is like the rookie, um, you know, like high school pitch, the high school coach, you know, through 97 from the left side. That's a little different than throwing 95 from the right side, which and who knows if this kid could ever even get to 95. That was his goal. Um so I told him realistically, no, like, why would an independent team look for a guy like him? Like you, you don't have any of the baseball acumen, the baseball IQ, the baseball strategy and knowledge that everyone else does. I said, look, there's a right now you're a 25 year old who throws 88 and maybe in a year you're a 26 year old who throws 92. Guess how many high how many college seniors are leaving their school undrafted who throw 88 to 92? A ton, like ton, literally tons yeah, of them. There's tons of, of them. them. And all of them would be better picks than you because they have four years of college baseball. All that knowledge, all that training, all that discipline, their bodies are in better shape. All of that stuff they have over you. So if I was a, an independent coach, why on earth would I choose this guy who hasn't thrown a ball competitively since high school over all of these guys who are both younger, have similar talent, and have so much more baseball education. I said, it just, it just wouldn't make sense as a manager for anyone to give you a chance. Um, I said, unless you throw like literally close to 100. And so, and he's like, no, 94, 95. I'm like, dude, there's guys, there's, it's crawling with guys who throw 94 in all levels of pro baseball. They don't need another one. They'll get they their pick of them. So he basically lashes out as he replies back. He says, you know, this is, uh, and granted, this email was, <laughs> worded politely i gave him lots of reasons and he had a lot of other stuff that i had to address too um and he basically lashed out and said i didn't know what i was talking about and that indie ball was only about velocity and if he threw hard enough he'd get a chance and blah 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 blah. um and i felt conflicted about it and i i bounced off a bunch of people and they all agreed that this person was i don't know a little bit very delusional but the point was my advice was realistic it was just realistic. If you're 25, sure. you haven't pitched since high school, a, a college, like these independent and affiliated scouts and coaches are not stupid. They need players that are actually good at baseball, not just throw a ball off the wall. And they will prioritize all of that experience level above someone who doesn't have any of it. I mean, who would, who else wouldn't do that? It's like, hey, hire me. I'm a genius. Okay, well, do you have any relevant accounting experience? If you want to be an accountant, do you have any relevant you know, lawyering experience? If you want to be a lawyer? No, I'm just a genius. So just hire me. Like, uh, that doesn't, I don't think it doesn't sound like we're talking about a genius. No. Um, but, and so anyway, so two years later, if he's he, listening no. so two years later, he emails me and he basically says, 
I could, I mean, I could read it. And I appreciate this. And I responded politely back, but he said, you know, we spoke a couple years ago. You made uh, some suggestions, questioned some of my opinions, and I got defensive. I want to sincerely apologize uh, for lashing out, blah, blah, blah. He said, you know, I didn't realize it at the time, obviously, but looking back, you were right. And forced me to rethink my previously held beliefs, which I'm now thankful for. So I don't know what happened. I didn't inquire. But, I mean... It's 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 a weird. So he anyway, he's in the big leagues. I'll tell you that much. No, and so, but this is a really it's a relevant conversation today because more and more players think they can do this, and we we touched on this on a previous episode that you can't just throw a ball into a net for two or three years and all right, I throw as hard as other guys in Division One or pro baseball now and expect to really do well in baseball or to even get a chance at all in baseball. Like people look at on TV and they look at the radar gun numbers and they think if I'm the same as that, then I can play at that same level. And it just isn't true. It's not true. The, the, the arm, the velocity model is definitely true in college. Cal, if this kid was emailing you and he was, 17 years old and had no high school baseball experience, but it hit 88. Yeah, dude, you're going on to the next level. Like, yeah, sure. Make a video of yourself. But I mean, there you've played with guys. I've played with guys that threw 98 to hundred in independent ball. And these guys can't get they back can't get to affiliate. They can't yeah. get people out. They can't get to affiliated ball or they weren't affiliated ball. They can't get back. Like it's not all velocity. It's just not dude. It's just not. I don't know what, you know, I don't know what more experience you need. Like there's, there's very few guys that run up the ladder to the big leagues that just close their eyes and. Yeah. It's, uh, I think we're losing you a little bit. Um, it's difficult. And one of the things I think that's so difficult about it is that as you climb the ladder, hitters are better at not swing at stuff. And that's how you doing there, Robert? I'm good. Am I here? You, you back? Yeah, we lost you for a minute. So I, I tried to talk to you know keep it going. This is one of the hazards of uh, of live streaming these, I suppose. You're a pro at this. We haven't had any uh, inter- interwebs issues yet, but I'm sure we will. Um, uh, sorry. So continue your thoughts. I think we missed pretty much all of it. You just can't. You can't close your. You can't close your eyes. Throw to a general area as hard as you can and expect to be good at baseball. Like no. there's guys that like myself that I step in the box after so many years out, like I'm not going to chase uh, like I'll chase hitters are going to chase. If you've got stuff that is near the zone, but you're not, I'm not just going to stand up there and swing at every fastball you throw regardless of where it's at. Like I'll have somewhat of a clue and it's the pitch ability. It's the, and I don't think the guys that tout velocity as like the number one indicator of pitching success believe that it's only velocity no i don't think but they they understand they understand that there's pitchability involved but the the delusion that if you throw 92 like yeah you're in the you're in the top you know percentile of people in the world with your arm talent if you say arm talent i'm gonna i need to find a way (laughs) does anyone know does zoom have the ability to slap a person through inner like you can mute me you just mute me uh, a- yeah, you throw 92 is hard. Like you, you throw 92 miles an hour. You throw very, very hard. You just don't throw hard enough to intimidate a guy who's getting paid to pl- to hit. No. Like that guy, that guy gets paid to hit that. And if you throw 98, 
yeah, you're in a different bracket. You're in the you're in the elite bracket. If you throw n- under 98, like you're in the bracket of you need to know how to pitch, yeah. and you can't just get a shot because you throw a ball. Yeah, and it's uh, it's one of those things where even if you even if you do throw 98, guys are still going up there. They're not just like ambushing every pitch. They're still trying to see the ball, and they're still very selective. Like you see, there's like a defensiveness in hitters when guys throwing really hard, where they're trying to see the ball and they're being a little more deliberate about when they do swing. And so when someone's really wild, they're not just swinging into the air trying to catch up to it. They're they're waiting. They're trying to see what's up, right? And so um, behavior changes of hitters is part of it too. But I mean, you, I think the one of the places that you see this and it's not really publicized that often is that when really hard throwing high school players get drafted, now they're suddenly in pro ball. Many of them get absolutely destroyed in their first couple of years of pro ball. And some of them never recover. And that's just, that was their story. They got $4 million and they flamed out with a seven ERA. And that was that. Um, and that just shows you, if anything, how hard it is to make the transition from high school or college into pro baseball. I mean, so many first-round picks don't make it to the majors still. And these are guys that, if you're a first-round pick as a high schooler, you have just amazing stuff. If you're a first-round pick pitch as a amazing guy. Amazing arm talent. Amazing arm talent. If you're a first-round pick as a college guy, you have amazing arm talent, but also a very <laughs> high level of skill as a pitcher, getting the best hitters in the country out. You know, so... Right. And those guys still don't always succeed in pro ball. And so then when you're talking about, hey, I haven't really, I don't have either of those things necessarily. It's just, it puts you in a world of hurt. And there's a lot of examples that you just don't hear about that, you know, high school pitcher 96 to 100 just gets shellacked. Because the way they pitch the high school hitters, which is, I'm just going to throw it as hard as I can down the middle of the plate. And if I miss my spot, it doesn't matter who, what high school hitter could ever hit that. Then they go into pro ball and suddenly they they do the same thing essentially. Which why would they do anything different? Like you only know how to do what you know how to do, and hitters start taking it. And now suddenly this guy's two and you know he's two and zero. Oh, he's three and one. He's one and zero. Oh, and what do hitters do? I'm here in pro ball because I can turn around ninety seven. Okay, two one. I'm getting ready and see ya. And that's what happens, right? No walk, doubt. walk, walk, double. You know, hit by pitch, single, home run, like. That's how three runs happen in, in with good hitters. So, so yeah, it's, it, it's an interesting thing. But, I mean, how do you find the balance as someone who mentors young people? How do you find the balance, Robert, of uh, giving people hope but also being realistic? I, I almost toss the ball back at him with this is what you want to play Division One like. This is what Division One guys look like. This is what Division One guys do. This is their athletic – uh, resume where do you fit like what boxes are you checking you know there's we've got I've got division one players in my program you know they're also the hardest working guys they're also the guys I see the most you know and then I get I get kids that are like well I want to go like they send me these you know I ask for the list of schools and and they'll send me like a like a mid-major division one like you know guys will instead of send me a big 10 school they'll send me a max school and I'm like, where, you know, the, the, the kid in Big Ten is not that much better, if at all, better than the kid at a Mac school. Like, you're not, you're not grasping the reality of 
kids in the Big Ten don't throw 92 and kids in the MAC throw 82 because they're not a Power yeah. Five conference. Like, MAC school makes it to the College World Series, like Kent State. They're consistently top 25. Like, these schools are good. So, we're, you know, where do you fall? Like, how often are you working out? Do you, you baseball is a, essentially for 99% of the kids, baseball is not a lifestyle. And I try to convey that, like, you're not doing enough. Like you think you're yeah. doing enough, but you're not, you know, I, I use myself and as, as an example for them, myself currently as a 33 year old today. Um, and I tell them, I'm like, I work out five days a week. I'm like, how many of you guys work out five days a week? And I'm not even training. That's what I tell them. You know, I'm not, I'm not working out towards anything. I just trying not to lose all of my athleticism as I get older. You know, I want to stay in good shape, whatever reason anybody works out. I'm like, but you guys are trying to gain weight. You know, you're 150 pounds. You're trying to gain, you know, 30. I told you to put on 30 pounds of muscle and we'll talk and you work out twice a week. Like what, 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 what are we talking about? You're not even, you're not even close to yeah. where you're supposed to, the, the work ethic you're supposed to have. So I guess to back, you know, how do I give hope is I, I give the blueprint of well, this is what you have to do. Like you want to, and it's for me, it's only talking about college. Like the kids that we have in college, I want to get a shot at pro ball that I talk to on a consistent basis. You know, it's, I, it's the same thing. Like, what do you do? Well, why, mm -hmm. why do you, why do you deserve a shot? You know, what's your elite tool? Give me, give me something like sell me here. Yeah. Here's the pen. Sell me this pen. To, you know, that, that famous sales, sales pitch, uh, you, you need to sell me on yourself. I can't, Speaking you, of which, have you ever used a paper mate ink joy pen? They're really good pens, they? good pen. but I get too many of them with poor quality control where there's like a little air gap in the ink where when it hits that air gap, it just, the pen's done. Like there's no fixing it. So paper mate, if you're out there, I'm really disappointed in you. I really like your pens, but they keep failing me. And, uh, all right, so go ahead. No, I, I think you hit it right on the head. Paper mates are <laughs> less than Bic. No, paper mates are more than Bic, but you they just, just you have a they have a quality control they issue. They have a quality control issue, I think. Yeah. This is why you get your that's why you get a ten pack of pens at the dollar store and you just toss the one. No, that God shit. no. These are great yes. because they have A, they're a gel pen, O seven, obviously, and B, they dry, they dry fast. So you're not gonna get that smudgy hand, you know, when you're uh writing in a notebook. I got two. I, don't know. I have a big notebook today, Bob. I got a lot of. To, I got to like collect my life and to do lists today because I have like an overwhelming amount of stuff to get done. So I'm a legal a pad. Big, today's I'm a, a legal big, pad guy. I mean, I can appreciate that, but today's a big pen, big pen day. Um, yeah, I think, I think to uh, to piggyback on what you're saying, it's it's hard as a coach to be both honest and sympathetic and realistic and hopeful all at the same time sometimes because kids need to know where they're at and they need to know what they need to do like you said like they need to know the blueprint and they need to be honest with themselves and parents too they need to they need to know what a division one player looks like and most do not they just don't you know they, they see don't their kids successful yeah. and it's like you could be a, a big fish in a really small pond and i was like that my high school um, my county, there weren't a lot of kids throwing above 84. And so you just, you don't, you're not getting a taste of what these high level, you know, D1 and, and pro guys look like as a high schooler. I just wasn't, I was like, I'm pretty good. Like as far as all the teams in my county, but in the grand scheme of things, I wasn't that good. 
Like not at all. And it's hard to people need. That's why people really need to go see college games. Um, they need to see what it looks like to play at those higher levels. Yeah, you need to see what it looks like, and you just need to the all these kids are their high school three hitter and their high school superstar. Like you're not even, you know, I don't even know know if going to watch a college game does it justice for how good most of the kids on the team really are because those you're only seeing, right. You might see a kid with a bad day. Um, You you know, you're not going to get their tools, but you see a catcher and you're a catcher. You go to a college game, a division one game. You're like, well, I'm, I'm the same height as this guy. Like, he doesn't look much bigger than me. Like, doesn't he, though? But he weighs 20 pounds more than you, and he throws bullets down to second base. Like, I know you think making it to second base on a, on a line is is good, but throwing it through to the, to the center fielder on just a straight laser is what it's supposed to look like, and this kid does it every time. Like, the, the yeah. gap is significant athletically for a lot of these kids, you just don't see it. And it's good for me as a guy that runs a program to have division one guys that have signed and they're around and you can look at them. Um, but I still think guys look, they look at it through that lens of I can be as good as this guy, but you're not, you're not as good as him. And I don't know if I, if you can't see it, I don't know how to get you to see it. I'm laying it out for you. Like he hits the ball significantly harder. He throws it significantly harder. He weighs 40 pounds more than you. Like he looks like a grown man. You still look like a high school kid. Yeah. Where's the disconnect? And you're right. It's hard to balance the, I think honesty is just the way to go. Just throw it at him. Like this is going to hurt a little bit, but you're not a division one player. Not yet. You could be, I am hopeful that you will be, but you're not. And the sooner you either take hold of that and try to get to that level, the the better chance you're going to have of playing there. But it's probably too late or you're getting a late start if you're asking me. And it wasn't the goal to start. Yeah. I, uh, and that's true. And one of the big things, I think your point is a really good one because the consistency is what really matters. And that's what they say about every minor leaguer. Like every minor leaguer can essentially do what a big leaguer does, but he can't do it every, every pitch, every mm-hmm. bat. And, and that's largely true. And that's from mental factors and preparation factors and lifestyle fa- and all these different factors, whatever. And that's the same thing there. You could go to, you're right. You could go to a college game, watch a catcher for one game and say, I could do pretty much everything he did today, but you can't do everything he did under pressure for 50 games in a row. At, at the quality that he's doing at every single time, the consistency. Right. Like every high schooler who can play college baseball could maybe throw a two zero pop time once in a while. And I'm saying two zero because everyone thinks they throw a one eight, but like no one does. Um, you could throw a two zero <laughs> when the pitch is like up in the zone, when you got a left handed hitter in there, and like everything's right. You're feeling yourself. It's sunny. But can you throw it's a two sunny? Can you throw a two zero when it's raining and the there's climate. a right hitter? Yeah, and you. Uh, you get a slider. Can you throw a two O to second base? Well, the D one guy can, and you can't. You probably can't right. ever do that. Joe Mauer can. can. Yeah, Joe Mauer. Well, Yadi throws a one nine in that situation. Um, <laughs> but that's and that's. So I think your point is a really good one. You probably need to go watch consistently and see. All right, this guy's literally the same every day. And when you get to pro ball, they're the same every day, and they're hurting constantly because you play so right. many games in such a short time. 
and that's a big separator too. Like the catcher, his knee's killing him. His shoulder's killing him. He got hit in the nuts last night with a foul tip. Uh, he got hit in the thigh six pitches ago, and he has a huge throbbing bruise there. Um, you know, his girlfriend broke up with him, and he still throws a 1-9 every single time on a 92-mile-per-hour on a slider in the dirt. Like, that's the difference, you know? And yeah, that's hard. sure. And that's really, really hard to do. It's really hard to do. It's hard to convey. Yeah, because you don't see that stuff, and that's the thing. It, and that's exactly why I think your point was so good, is that you don't see that. You don't know that the catcher his ankles are killing him. You don't know that he's got some family problems going on. You don't know that his thumb is borderline broken from a sinker the previous night from some guy that got called up to him, to his level and threw him a turbo sinker. He'd never seen, you know, that, you know, before, whatever, like there's so much stuff going on with players that you don't see that they just, they still do the job the exact same way because they're that good. And they learn to block that stuff out and, and no one really has excuses at those levels. That's, that's a very, it's a very different thing that it's hard for people to understand sometimes. So, Robert, we've come to the end. Uh, we keep running through these episodes fast. Um, we had a little bit of audio glitch. Uh, for everyone out there, I'm sorry. My links, if you're from my email list, my links to Twitter didn't work today. Um, my, I think my YouTube link didn't work. We were live on both platforms, but I really failed you with uh, my linking. So You did fail better. me. Uh, I'm terrible. But... We're still getting some of the kinks worked out. But I know my audio quality was bad last episode. Uh, it's definitely better today. Still kind of getting through this. I think we're, we're bold, Robert, in this uh, live streaming thing. This is, I, think scary we thing sound, I think we sound great. Well, last time I definitely had audio problems, but I fixed it today. I got a lot of gear going. But You're very professional. We got to ad-lib. We got to ad-lib this, and that's... Uh, it's not easy to do. Like, there's it's no feeling. editing. There's no editing. You know, you actually. Uh, I miss my calling of uh, just live television star. Well, you tried to be on the. Was it The Bachelor or what was the show you tried to get on for a while? I was called. I was called to be on The Bachelor. I said no. Or that was like a running joke in the locker room. But weren't you trying to be on like the cover of Men's Health or something else too? Oh yeah, yeah. That was that was. The the every every man like they just put a regular person on there. Yeah, yeah. I had a I stumped I stumped for that. So you need something to pass the time, Dan. If you don't have if you don't have goals, what do you have? Yeah, you have a lot of pipe dreams, like being Mary Chicago, which will never happen because you're it's too not soft. a pipe dream. That's too a fact. Mentally soft to get it done. I gotta wait out. You gotta wait out the trade. I don't want to be mayor right now. This is a nightmare going. No, on. I can't even leave the house. This is when we need leadership more than ever. You've seen the leadership in the White House. He's up there just confused, Fantastic. confusing everybody. Oh, wow. here we go. Here we go. Yesterday, Trump was questioning whether nurses, he was implying whether nurses or someone in the hospital were still masks. No, no. Your mind reading. Mind reading, isn't, mind reading is, not, is not an acceptable form of, of You uh, can discussion. imply things very clearly. Did he? he I told you to send someone, me the link. He was implying I, that someone was stealing masks. He also is seemingly is incredulous that some of these uh, states don't use these big words. With me. He's like, why would he's like some of these hospitals have two ventilators. Now they need 30,000 ventilators. Why would you ever need that many? Well, it's because states are trying to get ahead of this. So they have what they need in case stuff gets really, really bad, which is trending that way. Relax, Dan. Which why New York had ventilators, houses? ventilators in a warehouse that they just weren't using. no. Dude, Como just uh, yes. talked about this. He said, 
yes, we finally got the ventilators we asked for from the government, and they're sitting in a distribution were- place because New York is enormous, and we need to send them out when they request them. How does that not make sense to people? Can we can we establish that Cuomo, his brother, is the lead anchor on CNN? He's the governor of New York. Why would there something's be a, not why right would there? there be a something's not right there. Bobby, why would why would someone want to hoard ventilators? Why would that like? Why do we always err on the side of conspiracy or some sort of malintent? If I was a a, a it's governor, political. If you were the governor of a state, wouldn't you want to have centralized supplies that you could dole out to the people that really need them? That's like what a hospital does they have band-aids so they the, can bandage you up if you're bleeding they send it to the there's right no place. such that where's this this he had a, he had them though he had them in in a warehouse they were this, there already my point is this is not what good leaders do they don't just try to tear down other governors who are trying to make good decisions to keep their people safe this makes no sense uh, but me. that's yeah but these so governors you, these governors are making it I'm saying, yeah, no, you're right. That's that's the point. That's why. The point. No, why is, there is governors Trump politicizing? Because so, so are these. So are the. So are these governors. Everybody's politicizing it. I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to jump on requesting. No, no, there's been. No, they've been politicizing it as well. You're just using. They're not. They're both wrong. Term. They're they're both they're both wrong. They're both wrong. You How? shouldn't politicize it. You shouldn't. It shouldn't be political at all. It should be. It should be. We need help. Can you help us? And we helped you. So it recognized that we helped you. Why does he need? Why does the leader need recognition that we helped you? He doesn't need a it's thank so you. Petty. He doesn't so need petty. a thank you. He, he doesn't need does. a thank you. He just said no, he he want, he's not going to no. call governors potentially because if they're not nice to him. That was that's words. no, that's not that. No, that's not. Words. That's not the. That's not the transcript. Show me the transcript. Hold on. All right. So let me tran- let me transition before we leave. What's the? Because I wanted to ask you this before we jumped into Trump. We could go on all day. Uh, What's the one thing you do miss about that? I know you're still you're still out and about a little bit um, in D.C., but what's the one thing you're missing about the the outside world? Um, I don't know. Well, I, I I miss my family. I have not been able to see them. I literally just moved to D.C. and I've been under this self isolation for almost half the time I've lived here. Yeah, so that sucks. I'm that like sucks. not getting to really experience the places. The weather's turning nice. Um. And I was just like starting to get into a routine with like getting back into the weight room and stuff like that. And that's been clearly disrupted. So um, I just felt like I was starting to finally get settled here and trend in the right direction. And it's disappointing that I'm now kind of like very limited in what I can do and experience as I've like really finished like outfitting my apartment, figuring out like all the stuff that you have to do. I mean, you know how hard that is sometimes. Oh, yeah. I didn't appreciate how much uh, just figuring out where do I go to the grocery store? Like. Where do I get all these essentials? It's very different in a city, like because I don't have a car here. When you're like, all right, I got, I'm gonna walk here, I'm gonna metro here, I can get this thing here, I can't get this thing there. It's very different. You have to like know your stores, like know where you get stuff. Um, uh, adulthood sucks. Well, it's different than being in a suburb. Like the suburb is just like yeah. fundamentally different. And so um, I was just starting to like, get through all that. And now here I am. It's like, all right, obviously I still have to know all that, but. It's like I only go two places, which I'll, I'll go to WeWork because there's a location where there's literally ze- almost zero people there. There's like three people working there. So I have 100 feet of space between the next person. So I, I can go work and not be in my place and not be at risk of anything. But um, that's pretty much it. And I just jog and walk. So I just I just and I just miss the, getting into the routine and, and being able to experience the city. What about you? I miss gambling. There's no sports on. There's no sports. What do you? I'm yeah. like relegated to harness racing. 
it's just it's <laughs> tough the horses can still get out there when they put it's like been, uh mannequins, on, mannequins on them no the jockeys they just the jockeys it's like uh <laughs> they apparently they don't care about these guys just go ride them we need something to gamble on okay fair enough well uh thank you for listening so if you're listening here live we appreciate you tuning into Twitter, YouTube, and for your patience with me giving you the wrong links if you're on my email list. Um, if you're listening in podcast land, we are doing this every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 9 a.m. on Twitter and YouTube. So feel free to tune in live if you want to catch this show live. And we will be putting these episodes out usually later in the same day on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Although it's probably only those two, right? Does anyone listen to podcasts anywhere else but iTunes and Spotify? Maybe, maybe Stitcher, but Stitcher's had issues, so I don't think we're on there yet. Not yet. Um, not yet. But definitely share this with your uh, with your friends. This is your new favorite podcast. If you weren't aware yet, and uh, it's my favorite podcast. It's my favorite podcast. But thanks again, and uh, we will see you here on Wednesday. Robert, sign them off. Dan, to everybody, we'll see you Wednesday.